This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Be an Overcomer, and it comes from 2 Samuel 5, 6 through 15. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk, Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly. When you look at the publishing rights and the royalties that have to be paid for music, before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift, so why don't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601 401-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone, or mail us your gift, the Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift, the Word Talk, Inc., is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson out of 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel or anything we've studied here on the Radio Bible Class, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. Whether that's Spotify, whether that's Amazon, whether that's Google, whether that's iTunes, whether that's iHeart, whether that's TuneIn, it doesn't matter. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there too. Just search for WMER space Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. For those that have not been listening to us as we pick them back up today, I'll give you a brief summary real quick. King Saul has died. We saw that at the very end of 1 Samuel, right there in the last chapter. And now, after he died, there became this power struggle. There became this civil war. Because you had people who were loyal to Saul, and then you had those that were loyal to David. Now, those that were loyal to Saul were led by Abner. He was his general, his commander in charge. And he took Saul's son, Ishbosheth, and he made him king. And then on the other side of it, you had Joab, who was the general or the commander of David's army. As far as God was concerned about this battle going on, it really was settled 15 years ago. See, Samuel the prophet anointed David as God's choice to replace Saul. But as it turns out, Ishbosheth has made king over the northern part of Israel. And again, Abner's orchestrated all that. And then you have David, who's made king of the southern part of Judah. Now, the capital city of Judah was Hebron, and that's where he lived. Now, the divided kingdom would be this way for seven and a half years, and then it comes back to a unified state that we saw last week. But for seven and a half years, David rules just the tribe of Judah in the southern part of the nation of Israel. Now, David was crowned king at the age of 30. We saw that last week as well. He ruled for 40 years, but the first seven and a half years was only spent ruling over the tribe of Judah. But two things happened that changed that, and that's what we studied last week about waiting on God. First of all, Abner switched his allegiance, and that then made him wind up dying. Joab kills him. And the second, Ishbosheth was killed by two of his commanders. Ishbosheth was in his house, taking a nap, sleeping in his bed, and he was killed by two men, two of his commanders that thought that they were doing David a favor and they were going to win favor with David now that, that Abner's dead. And David gives them justice as swiftly as he did the Malachite that we studied in chapter 1. 
But anyhow, David is now crowned king over the unified nation of or all of Israel. And what we're picking up today, that's immediately right after that. David is going to go take the city of Jerusalem. Now, it's not called Jerusalem. It's called Jabush. And we'll get into that in just a second. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Samuel 5. We'll start in verse 6. We'll read the first couple of verses. And I'll be reading out of the ESV. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And David said on that day, Whoever will strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul. Therefore it is said, The blind and the lame shall not come into this house." So for my note takers out there, my first point that I want you to write down is that do not listen to the lies if you want to become an overcomer. We saw right there in verse 6, the Jebusites tell David, you will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. What if David would have listened to them? He would have never gone after that, but that's not who David is. And we'll see later in verse 10 that David becomes greater and greater because the Lord is with him. David understood who his strength came from, and he didn't listen to others. It only mattered what God said to him. So let's look at Jerusalem. What's going on at this time? Because it says that the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. And actually, if you look at the Hebrew, that word was Jebus. And that's how come they're called the Jebusites. See, at this point, Jerusalem was a small Canaanite city in the center of Israel. And David wanted to make that the capital of the nation of Israel because it's in the center now. So 400 years after God has commanded Israel to take the whole land, there's this city that's owned by the Canaanites. This was given to the nation of Israel, but the Canaanites owned this stronghold. And then I want to look at the phrase that they said, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you or it will keep you out. See, because of this location, it wasn't just some good-looking plot of land that David wanted. This was a fortified city. It had a wall around it. It was protected by mountains on the side. The only way to get in was through something that they didn't think David knew about. See, this city had no place where fresh water came in. So what they had to do was bring water in. So they brought water in through a water shaft. The reason why they say that the blind and the lame will keep you out is because these were evil people. They didn't worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, they had their own idols. They had their own pagan rituals that they did. They would kill their children and they would sacrifice them to this idol. They would have orgies in front of these idols and the sex gods. And what the nation of Israel has said, your idols are deaf and they're blind. They're, man, they're made by man, so they can't see. They can't hear you when you pray to it. So when they say that even the deaf and blind will keep you out, they're talking really about that their God will, is stronger than your God, and we're going to be able to keep you out. They're also smack talking. Matter of fact, some commentators just say that this is them saying, look, we could put anybody on the wall, and they will keep you out from being able to get in. What they underestimated was it wasn't just David and his men that were taking this city, but it was God that was leading them. Listen to what Psalms 2 says. Psalms 2, starting in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. 
Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. But David and his men, when they say that you can't get in here, that the deaf and the blind will leave, will keep you out, David and his men don't listen to the lies. They're not phased one bit. They take the city. Look what it says in verse 7. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. He renames Jabush, which is Jerusalem, to the city of David. And David said on this day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack. David knew their weakness wasn't that they were going to be able to take them over the wall, but someone was going to have to go up the water shaft, and there they would be able to get in and fight their way to the gate and let the rest of the men in. Now, if you turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, starting in verse 6, you'll see that David said, Whoever strikes the Jebusites first shall be my chief and commander. And Joab, the son of Zerub, went up first, so he became chief. Joab is the one that goes up this water shaft. The Jebusites start telling lies to the men and the nation of Israel. They talk to David, and David doesn't listen to the lies. Here's what I want you to learn from this by not listening to the lies of the devil. The devil will let you think that you're too far gone, that there's too many strongholds in your life and that Jesus can't take care of you. But just the way David was able to take over Jerusalem, Jesus can conquer the stronghold on your life. There is no stronghold on your life. There is no sin, no habit that goes so deep that the blood of Jesus can't go deeper. So David isn't going to take their mockery. He's not going to take their false words that were spoken against him. He's taken the city. He even gives a challenge to his men. Whoever can kill them, whoever can run up the shaft, I will make him captain. In Psalms 118.6, David wrote, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What David knew and what you need to understand is that when someone comes against you, it isn't the determining factor of your success. It isn't the determining factor of your failure. What God says about you and your situation is what matters. That is the determining factor. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall condemn. This is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. And you say, well, Tim, this is to the nation of Israel. No, this is the Lord speaking and claiming that his people, and if you're saved, you're part of his people. This is a, a, a promise that you have in the Bible. See, we see throughout the Bible promise after promise that declares that as servants of the God of the Most High, the Lord God Almighty, that we will be victorious. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, victory may not look like you think that it may look. Victory is assured though through Jesus Christ. That victory may not be the victory that you painted the picture of. But there is victory, and it is through Jesus Christ. It's through the Lord God Almighty. So David understood that you're not to listen to the lies. The second thing to be an overcomer is that you maintain your relationship with God as you're going through whatever you're going through. Look at verse 9 and 10 with me real quick. And David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built the city all around from the millow inward. And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. David maintained his relationship with the Lord. Before he ever became king, he maintained his relationship. 
How many times that we studied did we see him say, why would you touch God's anointed? God will take care of this. They told him several times, his warriors with him, take out King Saul. He's like, no, I'm not touching God's anointed. That's God's job. I am to stay faithful. Listen to Psalm 71, 16. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. I like the way the King James Version says it. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. We've studied this. We see that David didn't act on his own. That was the problem with Saul, is that he got away from God. He started doing things in his own strength. He started doing what he thought was right instead of going before the Lord. But David didn't. David, we saw, went before the Lord and said, what should I do? What's next? Where should I go? David followed the Lord and he did it in the Lord's strength. I think about when Joshua had to take over from Moses. What did God say to Joshua in Joshua 1.5? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. David knew the scriptures. He didn't have a Bible back then, but he knew the Old Testament. He knew the Pentateuch, which was the first five books of the Bible. He knew that God was with him. God would never leave him. God was his protector and his guide and his defender. And we see right here in verse 9 and 10 that David dwelt in the stronghold. And he called the city the city of David. David had a very strong victory through the Lord. And he took over the stronghold and he renamed the city and he built it up is what it tells us. Only God could help him do that. What I want you to understand today is that this city was very fortified. It had been to battle before and it had stood. That's why they were talking smack to David about him not being able to get in there. That their gods would protect them over his God. But God gave them the victory. God made him stronger in that stronghold. God gave him back the promised land that was given way back to Moses when he told them what land would be theirs. Let me ask you, as you're going through your trials, do you maintain your relationship with God? Sometimes that's easier to do because when we're in a time of need, we quickly reach out to God. But not always. Sometimes he's our last resort instead of our first choice that we should go to. He should be your first choice. You should be maintaining your relationship through him. But not only in the times of a need, but when times are good. David, through his victories, give God the glory. He points to him. Do you give God the glories when you're on your good times, not just the times that you need him? See, it's important that we maintain a relationship with God. Why is that? I mean, I tell you all the time, you should be reading your Bible. You should have prayer time. But it's important that you do that because let me tell you about when I was growing up, I had a good friend. His name was Greg Barker. And we were like best buds. Wherever you saw Greg, you saw Tim. And wherever you saw Tim, you saw Greg. But as we got into high school, I went and did my things. He started doing his thing. And guess what? We quit talking. We went off to college. He went to a different college than I went to. We didn't talk. Now, even though we still reach out to one another occasionally, we're not as tight as we used to be. And unfortunately, there are Christians that have the same problem. Yeah, when they're in a time of need, they hit their knees and they call out to God and they, they spend time with Him and they get close to God and God eventually cleans up whatever's going on in their life. Once it seems like things get better, they forget about God. They put God in a box. They put Him up on the shelf to the next time they need Him. And that's not what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. 
So if you want to be an overcomer, you need to make sure you're maintaining your relationship with the Lord God Almighty. My third point is, if you want to be an overcomer, you need to remember what God has done for you. David remembered all the things that the Lord had done for him and where he had established him. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me real quick. And Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and also carpenters and, and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people of Israel. I mean, there is so much right here in these couple of verses. David knew that the Lord had done the work. He had gone into the battle. He kept his relationship with Yahweh. But in the end, he knew it was God that did it. Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. What God is saying here to the nation of Israel, and that we should learn from, is that teach your children. Bring your children up in a way that they understand the things that God has done for you. Always point to God. Quit trying to make it about you and make it about Him. In Psalms 106, 21, it says, They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. What the psalmist is saying right here is that they had forgotten about what God had done for them when they were back in Egypt. How He got them out of Egypt. What He did for them. And guess what? If we don't maintain our relationship, and if we don't write down and have a journal that I talk about a lot, if you don't write down, you forget sometimes what all God's done. When you're going through that battle, when you need a word of encouragement, if you've journaled what you've asked God for, then you journal what God did, guess what? It gives you encouragement, just solidifies what the Bible promises you, that God will be there for you. David's confidence wasn't arrogance. David's confidence was because he knew what God had done for him, and he chose to walk with him. And because of that, God established him, made him more powerful, and gave him more elevation. Do you remember what all God has done for you? Or do you have spiritual amnesia at times? It's like we can't remember if we don't write it down. People forget about their salvation sometimes, it seems like. People forget about their healing. They forget about the deliverance that God's done. Sometimes God lets us go through what we go through so that we have a witness to tell others about, yet we seem to forget about it as soon as it's done and it's over with. David knew three things that every Christian should know. One, that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. You as a Christian should know that the Lord chose you. The Bible tells us that. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, it will be given to you. Right here it says that God loves you so much that he chose you. I think about when I was growing up and playing recess. Out there at the playground, there's time we would play football, tag football, whatever. Sometimes I was the last person chosen. Occasionally, when I'd play with the older kids, I might not get chosen at all. But God chose you. You matter to Him. No matter if you've ever been good at football. No matter if you've ever been good at music. No matter if you don't think you're worth anything. God chose you. And we need to remember that. Just like David understood that God made him king. And he walked in that. He understood his strength came from the Lord. You need to understand that God loves you and He chose you. The second thing that David knew was that the kingdom belonged to God. 
He was exalted in his kingdom because the kingdom belonged to God. What we sometimes forget is everything we have was given us to by God. God gave us what we have. And we're, we're told that we're to give 10% back. Some folks don't do that, but we're told to pay 10% back. But it's all God. Every blessing you've got, everything that you've been giving, every breath you take is a gift of God. And David understood that, and we need to understand that as Christians. And then the third thing David understood out of this was that God had put him in this position for the sake of God's people. David knew that God wanted him to channel the blessings that God was going to give him through to the people. He lifted him up so that the sake of the people would be lifted up. God has chosen you so that you will channel to others. See, unfortunately, too many Christians are just sponges. They get saved, they go down, and they said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I need you to come take over my life. But then they sit on a pew. That's not what God called us to do. God called us to go make disciples. And David understood that God put him in this position to channel to others. See, David understood to be an overcomer that you don't listen to the lies. It only matters what God says. Second thing David understood is that you maintain your relationship with God. It's a relationship. It's not just a one-time thing or whenever you're in a time of need. And then the third thing is David understood to be an overcomer that he remembered what God had done for him. And then last, this one David missed. David, we see right here, goes against what the Lord says, and he lets a blessing become a sin. He looks at it as a way to sin. He thinks it's for the greater good, and we'll talk about this thing. But what we need to understand is that sometimes when we are blessed by God, it doesn't allow us to go then have permission to sin. Look at verses 13, 14, and 15 with me real quick. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem. And after he came from Hebron, more sons and daughters were born to David. And these are the names of those who were born to him. Jerusalem, Shammah, Shabbat, Nathan, Solomon, Ibar, Elisha, Napeg, Joppa, Elishama, Elida, and Aphelot. Let me tell you that concubines and multiple wives was never God's plan. It was never intended for his people. We'll see as we go through 2 Samuel and study David's life that he's going to have trouble in his life because these concubines create problems. See, this goes all the way back to Genesis 2.24. If you turn to Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is repeated in the book of Ephesians. As Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he tells the Ephesians the same thing. In Ephesians 5.31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis 2.24. Well, even Jesus repeated this as well. If you turn over to Matthew 19, verse 5, he says, There, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. See, Jesus was teaching on marriage and divorce there, and he's teaching that it was meant All the way back in Genesis, when God set this up, that we were to be a man and a woman, one flesh. Not multiple multiple women with one man, but one man, one woman. David should have just had one woman. He should have had one wife and lived honorable as a king, but he didn't. When you look through the Old Testament, you see stories like Samson. And it reminds us that God's moving doesn't equal God's approval. See, Samson was strength, but what happened? He also had sin in his life, and eventually it was his downfall. 
And some of you listen to me know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had your victory, and because God blessed you with that victory or God's blessed you, you think that it allows you to allow a secret sin in your life, that God's blessing you so he doesn't care about it. But God does care about it. And we see throughout the Bible that he corrects that. And the day of correction is coming for that secret sin you have in your life. A blessing does not allow you to openly sin. If you want to win the contest, then don't go back to sin after you won. And sadly, too many folks have their dependence. They have their relationship. They remember God until they get their victory. And then they go back into their old ways. They go back to their way of living. They go back to their old sin. Think about the people that you know that got that job or got that spouse, or got that healing, or got those friends. Whatever it was, it moved them back away from God. They got their blessing, and yet they moved away from God. God never gives you the victory. God never gives you the blessing so you can go back to sin, so that you can go live for yourself and do your own thing. Romans 6 tells us, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin, live in sin any longer. Paul are telling us that we are free. We've been made free. We've overcome sin. We've been given strength to overcome that sin. But we're not to go back to it. We're to turn from it. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5.13, For ye, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I could go on and on in Jude 4, in James, and Matthew, in 1 Corinthians. We see that we are given freedom and victory over sin. We're given victory through Jesus Christ. But we're not to go back to that sin. We're to take off the old self and put on the new self and walk with the Holy Spirit, trying to become more sanctified, to become more like Jesus Christ every day. I'm out of time, so let me sum this up real quick. How to be an overcomer. We've looked at this. Don't listen to the lies. Satan's going to tell you that you can't do it. People around you are going to tell you you can't do it. Just like when David went to fight Goliath. He was told by Saul. He was told by his brother. He was told by those around him that he was too young. He couldn't do it. But David went in the strength of the Lord and overcame. We saw today as he went to take Jerusalem, the city of David that he renames to, that he was told, even the deaf and blind will keep you out. Our God's bigger than your God. But David didn't listen to the lies, and you shouldn't either. And second, we should have a relationship with God. It shouldn't be that we have to wonder if God's going to listen to us. We should already have that communion, that time, that intimate relationship set up that we don't have to wonder that. We know that God has time. You know, the best place to have a Bible is in your house. Right? Even better places in your hand. And even better than that is in your heart. Because the Bible tells us that we should put God's word in our heart that we wouldn't sin against him. Same thing with prayer. It's, it's good that we have an established time with prayer. Those things help us keep that intimate relationship and be an overcomer because we already have the communication channels set up with God. And then we have to remember what God has done for us. David always remembered what God had did. He remembered about how he helped him overcome a bear how he helped him overcome a lion, and how he helped him overcome Goliath. And every time he knew that God was his source of strength. A lot of times we forget. We have spiritual amnesia and we forget. And then last, unfortunately, too many times we get the blessings of God and we let it take us out. The very blessings that we should be giving God thanks for 
are the things that distract us from God and take us away from him. David understood those four things to be an overcomer. And the question is, do you? Is there an area in your life that you've let take you out? Do you have trouble remembering? Is your faith not as strong because you can't remember the times that God has done, done something for you? What I would ask you today, are you an overcomer? And if you're not, go to God and ask. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I feel like there's someone out there that doesn't know you. And making you Lord of their life, Lord, you chose them, and they heard that for the first time today. They heard how you chose them. They don't, they don't choose you, and you're knocking on their heart. And it's as simple as the ABCs. Lord, they have to admit. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Half the battle is admitting that you have a problem. You have to be lost and understand that you're lost in need of a Savior. And today, hopefully the Lord is knocking on your heart and telling you that you are lost and you need a Savior because every one of us is. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who our parents are. It doesn't matter about our education, our money. None of that matters. We're all sinners need a Savior. Lord, I pray today that they would ask you to be Lord of their life and that they would turn from their sins. They repent of them, which means that they turn from them. Lord, that they'll turn from the sin and chase after you. Lord, maybe there's one today that you're knocking on their heart because they've listened to the lies or they've not maintained their relationship with you. They've let a blessing take them out. Lord, I pray today that they would give it all back to you. They would say, Lord, I want to build that channel again. I want the communication channel between me and you. Lord, I pray for that person this very moment. Lord, that they would reestablish the fire that they were given when they were saved. Lord, let them burn after you the way they used to. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. Lord, we thank you that it's, that we are overcomers. We just have to remember the promises that you've given us, how we can overcome. Lord, it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.